Hi everyone! Welcome back to episode number two of Kinda Radical. Thank you all for being here. I appreciate it so much. I hope you enjoyed the first episode. You are all the best radical little feminists on the planet. Okay, today is such a great episode. We have our first guest today. I'm so excited to announce that one of my really, really good friends, Alyssa Marchand, is here. We're going to talk about um, feminism and theater and kind of her experiences in the past and at college and what she wants to do in the future. I have a great bio for her that I'm going to read in just a second. This is going to be such a fun episode. It's a much different experience doing a podcast with a guest than it is by myself. So... Again, as I've said before, if you want to be a guest or you know someone who I should interview for my show, please let me know. This is going to be such a really good episode about things that I don't have the personal experience to talk about that we're going to get to dive deeper into. Okay, Alyssa just graduated this May from SMU in Dallas, Texas with her BFA in theater with a specialization in acting with with a minor in Spanish and musical theater. She is originally from Portland, Oregon, and now lives in the Phoenix area. She is an artist, a teacher, a traveler, a lover of sustainable fashion, a sister, a friend, and much more. She plans on continuing acting both on stage and on the screen, while also undergoing the rigorous certification process to become an intimacy director and sees intimacy work and teaching as ways to give back to her theater community. So please help me welcome my good friend, Alyssa Marchant. Hey! Hi! Thanks for being here, Alyssa. Thanks for doing this show with me. I'm Thank super you glad you're here. for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Of course! <laughs> so, Alyssa and I met when I was in 7th grade, and she was in 8th grade. We had the same PE class together, and she was, I mean, we met, but it was more like, she was like, oh, this little plebeian and I was like, oh my gosh, this super popular girl is talking to me. I was not popular. Yeah, I school. thought so. And then two years later, I got to high school mm-hmm. and we did theater together. We did Grease first when you were in <gasps> you're in eighth grade. You're right, you're right. Yeah. I was in a show at the high school, but we didn't talk much then. Oh, well, yeah. A little no, bit. not really. Not really. And then when I got into high school, mm-hmm. Alyssa was a sophomore. Mm-hmm. I think we started talking more. Mm-hmm. Treasure Island. Treasure Island was the show. Treasure Island. Was the show we did. I had one line in that show. Yeah. Do you remember what it was? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, what a shame. It was something, I think, actually, I think my line was something like telling my husband to shut up. Oh, wow. I think it was something like Oh, in the tavern. Yeah, in the tavern. It was like the first scene and that was it. That was my first show. (laughs) Who was your husband? I don't remember. I don't either. (laughs) (laughs) So... So, uh, strangely enough, (laughs) so Alyssa and I, um, we were good friends, so we became closer as high school went on, Mm -hmm. and then she went to Texas for college. Yeah. I went to Chicago for college, um, and all of a sudden, (laughs) we both ended up in Phoenix, Arizona. Did you get the, you got there first, right? I didn't know that you were going there, Yes. So my decision to go there was really quick. Yeah. Really last minute. It was, yeah. Super quick. So I I was living in Chandler, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, you were like, my boyfriend is going there. Yeah. And it was, you, like, came to visit. I wasn't even... I think you visited, like, twice, and then you were like, I have an apartment in Tempe. Yeah. Yeah. Or Tempe. Hard E. Do you say hard E? Tempe? Some people say... Tempe? Tempe. Tempe. 
Tempe. Tempe. Is what some oh, like P? Like, but instead yeah. of Tempe. I say How do other I say Tempe. But Tempe. I think I think Brad says Tempe. 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 So I don't he's know. He's from the Midwest. I feel like he he's says right. Some things weird. Though. Okay. Well, I'm not sure. Neither of us are actually from Arizona. But nope. um, so now strangely, we both we live like ten minutes away from each other. Yeah. So close. So it's super weird. We also have some very strange family connections. Oh our, my god. Our parents are very good friends. Yes. But Alyssa's parents live in Africa. Yeah. So my parents. Well, Franny first found out about my parents because my mom was the mm-hmm. theater teacher. Uh our high school so because the um franny got involved in theater when you were younger yeah then that was and then franny's older brother brock also did theater right so so we were like all in the theater department yeah. my parents became friends with her parents mm-hmm. but then they got like re- became like really good really friends. good <laughs> friends yeah so now now they are here a lot and a, another weird connection one of my favorite shirts is from your dad yep it says word to your mother. That was actually from my cousin. Oh, but there was a shirt from my dad. It's the one that has the oh man the on it. <laughs> oh I know exactly what you were talking about. The uh, one what does it say? It's uh, it says from party on. Wayne's World. It's, Wayne's it's, World. Yeah. yeah, the Wayne's World shirt. It says party on. It's I. It's like three three extra large, so yep. I don't wear it very often. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a good shirt. Thank party you on. to yep. your dad. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's time to get into our discussion today. Since Alyssa has such a large expertise in theater, um, we're going to kind of surround our dis- feminist discussion today on that. Um, I have some questions to ask her. She's got some things she wants to talk about and kind of educate our listeners about. So let's get started. So the first thing I wanted to ask you about, Alyssa, is, so you spent four years mm-hmm. in SMU's theater conservatory, correct? Mm-hmm. It was separate yeah. from the school. Yeah, it was at the art school, so Meadows School of the Arts was, like, okay. one of the schools, but it was still, like, a liberal arts education, but there were, like, conservatory years that were like conservatory training years okay and how many people were in your year in the within the conservatory um at the very beginning it was 22 but 20 then, okay 22 people yeah and then that lessened and then as... it lessened junior year because your junior year you get split into either the acting track or the um theater studies track okay so then my track was ended up being like 12 people. 12, okay. Yeah. So you went from 22 to 12 mm-hmm. at a huge school. Massive school, yeah. Massive school. So my question for you is that you spent four years with you and 21 other people in this kind of wildly liberal, progressive setting that is open to all forms of self-expression mm-hmm. and invites all form of forms of radical self-expression mm-hmm. which is often seen in theater as orient sexual orientation mm-hmm. and personal gender identity yeah typically so how have you kind of navigated that transition from that super super progressive arena mm-hmm. to now I guess kind of coming back into the real world mm. and moving somewhere 
like Arizona, but really just the real world in general, going from that that super secluded arena setting mm -hmm. in, back into the real world. Talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, so it's really interesting at SMU because, like, I mean, I remember when I was touring there, they would say, like, oh, like, yeah, think about SMU as a whole, but know that the arts program is so closed off from, like, the rest mm. of the school. And so that was an interesting experience in and of itself because, again, yeah, I am in, like, the super progressive, super kind of typically left-wing-leaning program. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, like, very kind of, like, woo-woo, very kind of boho, you know? Yes. And so one big family, and that was the art school that was at a very kind of, like, historically right-wing, very rich, very white university. And so it was interesting because it was, like, it was a bubble in, an, in the university, and I think that I would often, like, forget that I was in Texas mm -hmm. because of, like, that bubble and because you're just, like, you surround yourself with the same kind of people every day. And so I think that, I mean, it's the same kind of transition going kind of anywhere where you go from, I don't know, if you live in, like, a household, like, going from that to then being in a different environment when you yeah. go to college. Like, it was different just by design. But I think it's been really interesting coming to Arizona now and kind of having that bubble popped a little bit because, sure. um, I mean, I don't want to say that it was, well, it was a bubble. It was also a little bit almost of an echo chamber, I would say, because so many people had the same radical beliefs in mm -hmm. such a small space. And when you surround yourself with people that have those similar beliefs, right. you often like forget where you are, the other beliefs that might be occurring around you and everything. So, um, Arizona has been interesting so far. I mean, I think a lot of the shows and like the productions that I was so fortunate and like the training that I was fortunate enough to receive at SMU all came not necessarily like with an agenda but like they saw the arts and theater as a force to kind of like make statements about things and there were so many the last show I was in was called Blood at the Root and it was about um a school in Louisiana that in 2007 dealt with um threats of lynching black students at the school and it also dealt with um homophobia and like lots of different kind of really current social issues going on at a high school. So it was a historical show. And so I'm used to that kind of work that's always pushing the boundary, making you mm -hmm. think. And then when I got to Arizona, it's all very musicals and very, like, classical works, but not classical in the sense of, like, maybe Shakespeare that, like, might make you, like, oh, still have to think or, like, process things, but more, like, sense and sensibility, kind of, like, true West, like, very kind of um, household stories or classics that yeah. are typically really geared to, towards the patrons there, which are typically old older white people who have money to see the arts. Mm -hmm. So that was already a pretty radical shift without even being there that long. So that was really interesting to me. Yeah, do you find yourself struggling in conversations with people? Even, like, like talking to people that you were in classes with, just saying something so offhandedly that you would mention, like, 
without a second thought that mm. you then find yourself um like self-regulating how you speak in a yeah. different way what you speak about yeah so with what you speak about with people outside of that yeah setting. yeah that yeah kind of bubble um yeah so one of like the really cool parts about my program and you touched on this a little bit with the kind of um connotation that comes with theater and theater communities um People could dress however they want. They could label themselves however they want. If they wanted to experiment at all with identity, sexuality, it was a very welcoming space to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that then moving somewhere or even just having conversations with, like, family members that don't really, like, get that world and stuff, I would find myself, like, kind of switching things a lot and it would take me back a little bit because here's, like, my friends that maybe use different pronouns. For example, I have a bunch of friends that use, like, she, her, or she, her, of course, and then maybe they switch to she, they. And I have so many wonderful, beautiful non-binary friends that use they, them pronouns. And I often would find myself to just avoid having any sort of awkward conversation with people from outside of that bubble, so people that I first meet, or people who might have a very, like, fixed mindset and might not totally understand, um, what I'm talking about. I find this with my grandparents a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of, almost, kind of, I, like, not letting these people that I really love and really admire have their full identity because I am almost, like, putting them in a different box than they've, like, said that they identify in just to kind of avoid having awkward interactions. And so I've denied them part of their identity, which is, like, such a a strange thing. And it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, oh, you're, like, oh, it's never going to come around back to them and stuff. But it still Mm -hmm. is, like, a really interesting thing to reflect on and be, like, why am I now suddenly, (laughs) like, after I was in this bubble for so long where this is how I referred to people, this is what I did like, now it's kind of, like, disintegrating in front of me, and I'm the person that's doing it, but Mm -hmm. it's just to almost make the other person comfortable, which is, like, such a strange feeling. Yeah. But, so what you mean is, like, if you have a friend who goes by she, they pronouns, Mm -hmm. you would use the they pronouns in the bubble. Oh, yeah. And exclusively use the she pronouns outside of the bubble. Yeah. Is that what you mean? And, like, even just, like, and this sucks to say, (laughs) but, like, really using they with people that either know them personally yeah or to them like right just themselves like or people who also kind of are on the same train that we're on where it's like oh this is like a safe space this is like Mm -hmm. but then really leaning on the she like when I'm not in that right kind of like environment Hmm. that's really interesting so the next question that I have that really builds off of that is why is theater such an open place for this sort of self-expression and like this radical form of self-expression that is often not accepted Mm. in other areas yeah I think that there's a really this is gonna sound really bad at the beginning but I promise it's not (laughs) there is such a liberating and a very sophisticated kind of freedom that comes with theater 
and getting to play someone else. Mm -hmm. And I think that that same freedom grants you permission to say, like, why can't I have that freedom kind of within myself? And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. to, like, pretend necessarily, but just, like, why is that even a door to begin with? Like, why do I have to then, like, fit this norm? Or, like, why do I have to, like, like this person and stuff? Like, I don't know. I think that theater of itself is, like, a very queer thing. Like, stepping Mm. into somebody else's shoes, and it's, like, a very kind of intimate thing to be playing another person in a way that's not, like, sexual, but it's very... It's intimate, and it's very, like, sensual in a way where you constantly have this freedom to express yourself in different ways, and so I think through all of that constant and consistent expression, then you kind of start to, like, reflect and say, like, why can't I do that with my own life then? Yeah. Yeah. So, I was in theater a little bit Mm -hmm. in high school. Yeah. Um, Not nearly to the extent that you are, obviously... But I do have a lot of experience in sports, mm-hmm. and as a woman in sports, yeah, um, I see a lot of parallels between, I mean, minority, like, I would say gay men mm-hmm. in theater mm-hmm. that feel, or anybody in the LGBTQ, yeah. but for, I'm going to say gay men specifically right mm-hmm. now, that feel so open and liberated, like you said, in theater is nearly the same, I feel, and I've seen for gay women Mm. in sports and I played soccer my whole life and there are a lot of gay women (laughs) that play soccer and we all know like the the stereotypical gay sports I mean like softball soccer and basketball rowing oh don't forget the rowing don't for okay (laughs) um didn't know that but so you know what I'm saying like it's such it's such a different thing Mm. from theater it's very different yeah um but it's still, again, such an open space, mm-hmm. and I don't think that, as an athlete, I've ever felt like I'm, like, sensually, like, <laughs> into, like, <laughs> being someone else or, like, opening doors to other people's lives, like you so well explained through theater, but I do find it interesting that such a different thing has the same impact, that people can just be mm-hmm. themselves, and there isn't the judgment. Do you think it has to do with community? Yeah, I mean, there's a great community yeah. on every team I've been on, and as someone who's done theater and sports, I like a cast is yeah. very similar. But to like coming a together team. for like a common goal. Yeah. Like I wonder if that like creates a space where it's like it becomes a safe space because you all have like. Right, but it's not every team. Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying that there aren't gay people on other sports, mm-hmm. but there aren't the numbers yeah. of gay women <laughs> that are on the college dance team Mm, as there are on the college soccer team. And I mean, we see this professionally too, Mm -hmm. but I will say Mm -hmm. that the U S women's roster for the world cup this year is the straightest women's world cup. That is is the straightest women's (laughs) national team roster in like 20 years. Huh? Because it's always, there's so many. Why do you think that is though? Cause I, I think that it's interesting then that like, we were talking about, like, kind of the difference between gender expression mm-hmm. and, like, sexuality. And I think that, like, if you strip it down to, like, bare bones, typically, like, performing arts is, like, 
more of a feminine thing and then like sports is more of a masculine thing so I think it's right. interesting that and like, so the that, gay guy yes in the theater program and that is why I had mm. said in a specific example I'm gonna say gay guy yeah because theater is t- typically connected to the feminine yeah so the gay man would try to take on more feminine personality traits exactly yeah and sports which are typically connected to the masculine mm-hmm. a gay woman yeah. would take on more masculine traits so, yeah, I, I, I mean, growing, playing my whole life, I know countless teammates. Mm-hmm. I yeah, it's just I just just wanted to point out yeah. the interesting parallels between the two very opposite communities mm-hmm. that have the same effect. Yeah. So now let's talk a little bit more about what you want to go into in the future. And can you explain the intimacy coordinator thing, the certification that you're going through? Can you explain what that is? So intimacy work is a super recent um, kind of practice that is in and being used in both live theater, but then also in TV and film. So, a lot of times when you see, um, not specifically, like, or just sex scenes, but any moments that are intimate, um, think of it as, like, fight choreography. Like, you know how Mm -hmm. you have to choreograph fights to make sure that they're safe. You can't just put two actors on a stage and say, oh, this is the scene where, uh, Marcuccio has to die, like, pretend to fight, and then end it with him being stabbed. Like, you can't do that. (laughs) So, intimacy choreography and um, the practice of it really kind of follows a very similar path where any physical touch, any um, kissing, touching, any of that, it's just the act of getting a certification to be able to choreograph and kind of coordinate those moments. But it also just gets actors and performers and... Um, professionals, like, in a mindset of always having kind of a really even field check-in with their, um, with their peers and with the people that they're interacting with, um, so it kind of, like, gives them a chance to do, like, a body scan and share with their partner where maybe they might not feel comfortable being touched or if there was recently an injury that they had or, a long-lasting pre-existing injury, just kind of like having a check-in with a partner that you're going to be touching and knowing what those boundaries are and setting um, up the intimate moments to be more like a dance more than anything because I think in the past in Hollywood and also um, in staged plays and on Broadway, there has been a really murky past with... um, professionals putting actors in situations where they just need to improvise these kinds of moments Mm -hmm. and as an actor it's really difficult to kind of distinguish what's happening and it's hard to kind of compartmentalize what's happening and to tell your body that what's happening isn't like a real thing and that it is like not you experiencing it but it's like your character I know it's like it sounds very woo woo but like If you think about it, like, 
in high school, in a lot of um, the past, there's always, like, these kind of showmances that come up, and it comes from, like, co-workers on sets or, like, co-stars that then suddenly become, like, romantic partners after being on a set together, or there's, like, the typical, like, high school Romeo and Juliet where it's, like, the people who play Romeo and Juliet are inevitably gonna go to the next dance together or, which like... Which did happen. Exactly, which did happen at in our, our school. school. Between Romeo and Juliet and, um, what was Grease? Uh, Danny Oh, and Danny and Sandy. Danny yeah. and Sandy. And so intimacy work really makes any sort of physical or intimate, sentimental connection with another actor it breaks it down and makes it mechanical so that there's no room for people to like let their feelings get involved Mm -hmm. and so it really just like helps people again be able to differentiate what is happening that is not that is not an organic moment that is happening with somebody that you might have feelings with but what is a very orchestrated and specifically choreographed moment with um a fellow peer or coworker. Right. Have you ever experienced something like this in either high school or college where the play or performance you were working in called for something like this and you had someone say, Oh, just improvise it or oh, like, yeah. just just do it and how did that go if you are okay yeah. sharing, like how did that go for you? No, it's really interesting. I mean, in college we were always given really challenging scenes, not just content-wise, but for, for us personally to, yeah. like, to train with or to kind of, like, figure out how we're going to navigate the scene on our own. And I remember I, it was, I was still in, in my kind of, like, lower classman years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was still pretty new to the whole um, college thing. And, like, again, intimacy work is, like, recent as of like five years ago it didn't exist and now it's like a really big booming kind of um practice and it's also so fantastic because I mean it looks kind of bad when you don't have like an intimacy coordinator or director Mm -hmm. oh also intimacy directors are for tv and film and intimacy coordinators are for stage productions or any sort of live theatric so that includes like circus burlesque anything like that so where there actually might be some like inherent intimacy it like is becoming like a industry-wide practice to really Mm -hmm. like check in with each other and have these kind of like mechanical choreography moments instead of improvisation yeah of course um but yeah back to my time at smu there was a couple times when my scene partner and i i would like be like oh like okay well we have to do like this kind of a thing and we would establish one thing, but then, of course, when we're showing it to the class, something else happens. And it is always a hard thing when that happens because, I mean, you don't really know if you want to stop it. You don't know if you, right. like, should speak up. Are you going to get, like, ridiculed for, like, stopping a scene or whatever? But there was multiple times that I was, like, told to improvise and then was found myself being, like, really confused and, like, having that kind of, like, oh, what are we? Like, kind of, like... Hmm. thoughts with my scene partner because I couldn't differentiate what was happening in our scene versus what was happening personally with this other person yeah yeah um that's interesting and I mean it kind of 
it's very clear from this conversation that people who have had other unwanted touches or experiences Mm -hmm. that are then put into roles like this yeah would face a lot of trauma oh absolutely in that I mean and it's like I think specifically I mean you're gonna you know about this just because of I mean this is a huge thing during the me too movement with figuring out a lot of producers and directors in Hollywood Mm -hmm. that's when there was like kind of a notorious kind of like casting couch kind of a like stereotype um especially for women in the industry um so I mean I was just talking to some other actors here in Portland today about how like it's everywhere I mean and it's horrible when it happens because it feels like oh I either have to like go through with this unwanted thing or I do you like, mean like the director couch yeah thing? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah yeah where like if it's somebody that is above you in power oh yeah like, of course oh of am course. I never gonna get cast again if I right. say no like and then that can also go I mean kind of to a lesser extent but like mm-hmm. you said like will I get ridiculed if I stop yeah, this scene yeah like you're going ag- everything in your body is saying like I've learned from this I know how this goes mm-hmm. I don't want these touches this is yeah this is a big no-no yeah but you still continue because, I mean, you can't, like, the show must go on, exactly. right? Exactly, yeah. Even though things are happening that you are not consenting to yeah. on oh, yeah. stage. And I think that there's also, like, I don't know, in my experience, like, the two times that, like, come to mind when, like, I think, like, if there, if this, there was an intimacy coordinator present yeah, to do these moments, would... they would not have happened. Like, the two moments that come to mind both of them shifted drastically when we were in front of other people. So like I, became more intense. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's how I would imagine it. And happens. so it's so interesting because it's like in rehearsal when it's just you and the other person, I think it's really easy to keep them accountable. And it's really easy to of be course. able to kind of like have that interaction. But then as soon as you're in front of all these other people, there's kind of like this weird second guessing that suddenly comes up where you're like oh well now I have everybody here and I have to keep myself accountable by giving them a performance but also like mm-hmm. this is so against everything right. and then it sucks too because those are sometimes the moments too where it's like oh this is different what is this and without even knowing it your body is like starting to like make a weird connection right to this person and or starting to create, like, a weird traumatic thing that's happening that Mm -hmm. then leads to maybe then, like, you associate that trauma with performing. And I just, I constantly think about that. Like, how many women in Hollywood that we've never really seen because they actually did speak up and Mm -hmm. or Yeah. yeah. Or you don't associate that trauma with performing, but with touches. Oh, my God, yeah. And then anything intimate in your real life becomes difficult. I do have two questions. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, two questions. Sorry. Um, both of those instances you were talking about, mm-hmm. was the person that you were performing the intimate scene with both, were they male? Yes. In both times? Yes, both times And they were. do you feel that both times when you performed, it was you going beyond what you had practiced or him leading? Oh, him both times. Both times. Like, By far. for sure. Oh, 1000%. And I... I mean, if you felt comfortable, mm-hmm. like, did you speak to him about that afterwards? Um. Did it come up? Did you feel comfortable? Like, that's a really, yeah. again, another really intimate conversation yeah. at that point to say, like, that was my body that you yeah. publicly yeah, yeah, yeah. just violated. Uh-huh. But, it's so like, interesting. congratulations, we got an A? Like, yeah. how do you say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think about, I mean, 
one of them was in high school and I remember not saying anything because I didn't know yeah like that it was like wrong and I was like oh maybe this per-, like and then there's also this horrible thing where it's like oh maybe this person just like was really in character and like maybe like this is mm-hmm. what like their character would do but then how do you like differentiate that like in your brain right. when it's happening like you can't so the one that I can think of from high school I didn't say anything but then in a very similar situation though I remember there was a moment with fight choreography when somebody was taking it too far and I remember feeling like that was the easiest thing in the world to speak up about and did you and I did okay, yeah. yeah and it was fixed wow. and there was apologies and everything but I never knew that like if there was like a kiss in a show which is the one from high school like that when a kiss suddenly is more than a kiss like how you navigate that situation and I just think it's so interesting because I think like physical pain is something that we all feel and so it was easy for me to speak up about that because it was a universal experience but I didn't want to be seen as the kind of like sentimental like overly dramatic girl for being like right but yeah I mean to the same extent body reactions and Mm -hmm. trauma is also universal oh yeah but it's made out to be (laughs) feminine oh yeah exactly so it's not it is it is a universal thing to feel that way I mean the the male that you were doing the scene with Mm -hmm. I mean could have felt something similar yeah but maybe he didn't speak up because that is a feminine thing yeah uh, it is seen as a feminine thing. Yeah. But it is just body care. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> wow, that is that is very interesting. I really hope that as you go into that and get certified to do that, mm-hmm. that that helps a lot of people yeah. in that industry. The final thing I want to bring up here is kind of a silly... <laughs> I wouldn't say silly, but less serious of a debate Mm. that people in the literature and theatrical world have, and that is surrounding Shakespeare. (gasps) You are a big Shakespeare fan. I'm a massive Shakespeare fan. I do believe you have a tattoo for Shakespeare. I do. Can you explain (laughs) what it it is? Okay, um, Midsummer Night's Dream and I have a connection. <laughs> um, You've been in it quite a yeah, few times. Yeah, so it was the first show I was ever in when I was little. How I was, old were you? I was six or seven, I wow. want to say. And then it was my first lead role in high school mm-hmm. was playing one of the lovers in a rendish, a different rendition of, Shake, of Midsummer Night's Dream. Right. And then my senior year, I played Puck. Uh-huh. And that was also the last show I was in before COVID. Oh. And then the first show I was in coming out of COVID was, again, Midsummer Night's Dream. Wow. And I was playing the exact same character. That so, was when you were the blue pop. Yes. And so it was really interesting, though, because it was like, I don't know, I feel like in high school you get the opportunity to play, like, all these, like, really extreme, like, cool characters and I remember being, like, my senior year, being like, yep, this is my peak. Like, kind of. Yeah. Thing. So it was, like, so rewarding and, like, nice to, like, the first show coming back was, like, a full-scale college production. And I was playing the same character. So yeah. I love that show so much. And I think that it's, like, just a wild ride. So I have a little purple flower on my wrist for the whole 
mischievous little puck that oh. I have now played twice. Very nice. Yeah. And are you planning on getting more Shakespeare tattoos? Yeah. I kind of want to have, like, a Shakespeare arm. Okay. So, I don't want it to be, like, a sleeve, though. I really like the idea of, like, little, like, patchwork. Like right, like the popular, like... Yeah, tattoos. Yeah. And I want to get, like, different... So, the flower that I have on my wrist is, like, purple. It's just purple ink, and it's, like, the outline of flower. It's beautiful. And you Thanks. got that in Spain, right? I did. I did, That's because nice. there were so many, like, of the Jacalajara trees... Okay. Then they're these really popular Spanish trees okay, that okay. have purple flowers. So it's a double meaning. Um, <laughs> but I want to get all over. It's my left arm that it's on. And I want to get like really small little color tattoos yeah. that are like little tiny like mementos of each Shakespeare show that I've been in. That's, that's very pretty. Yeah. So, so the debate is about William himself. The Ms. Bard. Ms. The, Mr. The William. Bard. <laughs> um, and you may have heard of it. It is that... Is William... Sh- is Shakespeare a woman? Oh. And a lot of people... There is some evidence for this. Mm. Um, well, it's been known. I'm sure you've heard that Shakespeare... A lot of people contest that Shakespeare wrote his own plays. That, yeah. he, that, that he did not. Or yeah. is taking credit... Oh, 1,000%. For, for, oh, you believe that. Oh, yeah. That he, oh, there's no way. Like, when you say a show is by Shakespeare, it's not just by him. It's by who? It's by, like, a plethora of other people. Like, that time... Because that... Like, the time that Shakespeare was around, mm-hmm. there was... He... His folio, so his kind of like um compilization of like all of his shows yes was one of the first ever like written folios okay of like in play history because people used to just have the cue line and their line and that was their script okay so all the characters only had the cue line that was the line before theirs right what they would say and that was it that's that's how their scripts worked so all these actors came together to create these shows so Goes without saying that there were many plays that were happening before Shakespeare's were written down. Right. That he could have pulled from, that he could have claimed as his own. Okay. And that then he put his name on. Of course, of course. So, because he did own or was a shareholder of Mm -hmm. the Globe. Yes. Theater. Yes. So, I've heard that he, like, there were playwrights working at that theater Mm -hmm. that he then took their work and put his name on oh yeah okay no i would not be surprised so the argument that i am have heard Mm -hmm. this debate is that not only did he was he putting his name Mm. some so there's two two parts he put his name on a work that was written by a woman oh yeah he took credit for a woman's work Mm -hmm. or a woman wrote under a pseudonym oh, interesting. of William the name Shakespeare. William Shakespeare. Mm. And there is quite some evidence for this, but the most compelling evidence, I believe, mm-hmm. is that at the time, mm-hmm. obviously women were seen different in society mm-hmm. and in um, households and marriages. Mm-hmm. And he wrote about them in a very intimate, yeah. understanding way. Mm-hmm. in like In a very, like, um, like women, mm-hmm. like women, like, um, like an empowering way. Yes. Yeah. Empowering way, but like understanding on a different level, the oppression mm. that a man would not be able to understand yeah. specifically 
a man in that mm-hmm. time period. Yeah. So, I I mean I don't under I don't know Shakespeare mm-hmm. like you do, but I know that he's um, he, there are heroines that he has in his yeah. story that they they speak back to their mm-hmm. husbands or brothers or yeah. uncles and they lead armies yeah. and war and oh, yeah. um, own businesses mm-hmm. and th- like they are heroines that yeah. is not usual to exist in that time period, mm-hmm. let alone be written about and put on paper in yeah. that time period. So the argument is that no man would write about that hmm. and no man would understand that enough to write about it. Hmm. So a woman must have written about it. And there's this argument that they know who the woman is. Oh. Um, it's Amelia something. She is like an Italian Jewish woman oh. who was very highly educated mm-hmm. and had experiences that line up with the with the plays that Shakespeare writes. So I think there's there's like speculation that she could have gone to um what's that place in Hamlet? In Hamlet? Else Elsinore? What? There's I I don't know. I don't I don't know Shakespeare like you do. In Hamlet? Maybe Macbeth. Okay. <laughs> I was about to say, I was Maybe like Macbeth. Macbeth. Um but she like this woman like might have been on that trip and he makes a lot of musical references and her family was like owned a music shop and made musical instruments and she was a tutor so she was extremely mm. highly educated and like understood grammar and writing. So there's a lot of evidence that this woman in particular mm. could have been either very good close with Shakespeare, he maybe like reached out to her for ideas, yeah. or she wrote them him- herself. And she also she was a known writer at the time. I was about to ask about yeah, that. Yeah, she was a known writer at the time. She was also a known feminist at the mm, time. Interesting. Shakespeare is not a known writer. Yeah. There's no evidence of him at oh, the yeah. time being a writer. A writer. Like, literate. Like, yeah. Yeah, there's no, like, they yeah. say, like, he's a landowner. He's owns part of the globe. He's, mm-hmm. like, a lender. Yeah. But nothing says he's a writer. Oh, interesting. But this lady, they have, like, um, records of her writing and records of her with traveling to Italy where a lot of uh-huh. plays take yeah. place. Um, and again, like, she's, like, a very outspoken feminist at the mm-hmm. time. And sh- there's a lot of feminist implications yeah. in some of his works. I just think that's an interesting... I think it's also interesting to think that if it was him writing it, mm-hmm. like, because of how plays were done back then women were not allowed to perform so all the women characters were played by very feminine men so I always wonder this I always like ask myself if like again this goes with the notion that he did write the shows but I always like wonder like did he write them knowing that they would someday be performed by women how could how that's what i'm saying like right. it's it's I mean, interesting like, how do you write a play knowing that you will be the most famous playwright of no all you, time? you you like, exactly like you can't that's, that's <laughs> but wild. like even saying that like because at that time women weren't allowed to perform so you're right. creating these heroic women right that i feel like could potentially but again this is just how theater worked back then mm-hmm. like now looking back on it like if we were to see like, a Lady Macbeth yeah. that is played by a very feminine man, 
it would almost be seen as like an insult. Oh, it would yeah. To Obviously. the power that that character has. And so it's interesting to me that again, going off of what you're saying that this Shakespeare, I did air quotations around that Shakespeare, <laughs> um wrote these heroic women that were capable of more emotion than a lot of women had been written with for yeah. at the time. Um well, I think there's also an argument, maybe less of an argument, but more mm-hmm. speculation, yeah. that Shakespeare was queer. Oh, yeah. No, and I, personally, I totally believe that. Okay, so if you, like, yeah. that Shakespeare wrote these plays as a queer man himself. Yes. Okay. I think, I think he was a little bit of a bi-king. Okay. In my personal opinion. <laughs> because fruity, William. Of course, there are these accounts of Anne Hathaway and their relationship and everything. But there's another guy that yes. maybe was... That's what I'm saying. The, the, so he left uh, Anne. Got a little sidebarred. Yes, <laughs> sidebarred. And so I'm saying... And I think that there's so many characters throughout. I mean, and what we were talking about, like, with identity and, like, this freedom to kind of, like, show, like, different sides of yourself, like... In so many of Shakespeare's shows, there's characters that are playing the other gender that right. you are aware of in Twelfth Night and Midsummer Night's Dream. Even Puck like, is like yeah. constant. Like, is, is Puck, Puck? Yeah, is what Puck is a woman or is like it? what is? Yeah, Puck? no, seriously, like right, either, and never specified. Which yeah. I think is part of the magic of like a lot of his works is that like, again, <laughs> thinking that he might have. It, it's so difficult to. We had we talked about this a lot in my school, and we had like. A Shakespeare specialist at oh, our school, wow. and he was a he is he's still alive. He's a brilliant man, and we talked about Shakespeare a lot one day because he is a specialist. So he's like world renowned on Shakespeare, and he was like, "Oh, Shakespeare was not one person. Like when you hear the name William wow. Shakespeare, that is not one singular man that you see that kind of like bust of with the beard and the like goatee." Right. Yeah, but. The consensus is that it was multiple men. Oh, yeah. But I don't think... There's no so, way. There right. can't be. So what yeah. we're going from is we're saying it's not one man, it's multiple men, but mm-hmm. we're just completely ignoring the fact that it could be yeah. one or multiple women or men and women. Of course. And, of course, one of the biggest arguments against this mm-hmm. is that women at the time period were not educated. Mm-hmm. And um, if you've ever read... Virginia Woolf, mm. A Room of One's Own. Mm. She has this great section where she makes up this imaginary character called Judith Shakespeare. Oh. That is Shakespeare's imaginary sister. Oh. I think his real sister's name was Jean. I think you're right. So Judith yeah. Shakespeare is this imaginary girl, and Judith Shakespeare really wants to write, and she's really moved by the arts and by theater, and she mm. wants to go to school like her brother, mm. but she can't. Mm. So she cooks all day, and she cleans all day yeah. in her house in the... 16th century or whatever Mm, yeah and she decides this is all virginia wolf is like depicting this like imaginary story Uh she decides she wants to go explore theater like her big brother and run away and so she goes to london and she ends up getting pregnant and killing herself and that is the end yes hello that is the end of judith shakespeare and that is that is why virginia wolf is arguing she puts to rest this argument that shakespeare is not a woman because there is no way yeah that a woman would be able to write plays. Yeah. I mean, how would she be educated in the time? Mm-hmm. 
but then that's there's this evidence that this woman is fully educated from where she came from yeah. and by her family yeah i think it's an interesting argument yeah no it's a fascinating argument i mean it's so shakespeare's so interesting too because i mean you like you were saying earlier like there's no way that you can write plays knowing that you're going to be the most well known right i was gonna say well-renowned but and i always wonder also like if like did did this kind of infamous william shakespeare again air quotations like did they write knowing that people were going to dissect it to the extent that they do now but i don't think so because that was their normal language like we have to dissect it just to understand meaning is that what you're talking like you mean the language we have to dissect well, in about? a way, but the, I mean, the poetry that comes from the way that Shakespeare shows are written, mm-hmm. and through that poetry, also, the, the that is, like, the images that are painted that are, like, so specific to womanhood. Right. And And everything. some of this, so, I also read one time that there mm-hmm. was a sonnet. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wrote how yeah. many sonnets? So like, many. 180 80? or something. Yeah. Um, I think it was 181 or 189 or something. Yeah. I don't know. Your mom would know. <laughs> um, Maya Angelou, Angelou, Maya Angelou, the famous poet. 154 sonnets. Oh my gosh, I was so <laughs> wrong. Um, Maya. Maya, Queen Maya. <laughs> she read one of the sonnets one time and said she thought Shakespeare must be a black woman. Oh, because interesting. Because how else would he know what I've been through? Mm. about trauma interesting and i that is so unique i don't i don't know a man that i've ever spoken to Mm. and i guess i mean sight Mm. and knowledge of a name yeah maybe limits that but if i'm it is rare i read a lot of books Mm -hmm. it is rare that i like that i will read a book by a man and think, like, how does he know that? Yeah. yeah. Like, how, how do you relate to that? Yeah. I think that there's, like, a really... I would... This is kind of more on the basis of, like, race that you were just talking about, where, obviously, like, in Shakespeare's time, like, <laughs> the chances of these sonnets and these um, plays coming from a person of color who is also female, like, is, like, not small but like you know it's yeah it's like that's not right that would not be normal no not at all at all and but i think that there's this like beautiful humanity that comes from like these feelings where it's like you can be allowed to be touched in a way where it's like oh my god like how did you just explain everything and so then that's when i start to think like there are experiences i think that are specific to women but i think that there's also just like universal experiences that like you can think are specific to you but it's just because it's in so much detail that maybe then that does make you like think like oh my god that makes me think of where this puts words to this thing i agree that that there are definitely um universal emotions that cross gender lines like Mm -hmm. without a doubt i mean we can all listen to a famous song Mm -hmm. and a boy or girl after a breakup and they can feel the same sadness yeah but i think that there are specific emotions mm-hmm. that women feel 
we can all agree. Oh yeah. There are emotions <laughs> no, that women that. That, there are emotions that women feel that a man will never feel. Oh yeah. That will he will never understand. No. So when you put a little girl, mm-hmm. a little black girl, yeah. who's been through trauma and mm-hmm. she reads a poem mm-hmm. and she says, How does he this must yeah. be I must be reading from a black woman. How mm-hmm. how else would this person know what I've been through? Yeah. That is like profound. That yeah, that no, truly that means something. Yeah. I don't think that, I mean, imagine the shock when she knew that that was a white man that she was reading. From how many years from, ago? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, thousands of years yeah. ago. A thousand? <laughs> I was going to say thousands. I don't know about thousands. <laughs> Maybe an exaggeration. But, no, but like, I see where you're coming literally from. Literally less than I do think, like, I mean, one of the biggest things I remember somebody said this is that, like, an artist's main job title is a thief. Like, if you mm. are any sort of artist, you are going to be stealing from another sort of artist in a way. And so then that's why people, like, are always are like, oh, like, what's original art at this point? Okay. And so I do think absolutely that, like, with Shakespeare, but then, like, even with his legacy, that that was such a well-known name that people might have just slapped it onto things because they know that that's how it'd be seen. Oh, like, like later. Or, like, later. When, like, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Or well, I mean, it, yeah. it's like the movie Nomeo and Juliet. There you go. That is a loose example. That's the worst example I've ever heard. No, I was saying, like... I just, I've been thinking about that movie this entire time. Oh, I'm wow. Not, I'm yeah. not gonna lie. I really, there you go. I really but, like I mean, if movie. you think about it, like, Lion King isn't Lion King. Right, it's Lion King what? is Macbeth, but... Oh. <laughs> okay. No, 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 you're right. It is Hamlet. Oh, my God. Oh. No, 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 you're so right. Wait, yeah. Oh, well, we should like, edit that out. I mean, you sound like a bad Shakespeare person. When he holds the, um, skull. What? <laughs> yeah, that is Hamlet, but... Right, that's in Lion King. Or when he's, like, they talking to dead school. Mufasa. Oh, you're... So- Oh my god. Brooke, wow. Freaking wow. Well, I need to brush up on my <laughs> Shakespeare history. But yeah, that's it, interesting. I mean, there's also so many theories that, like, Shakespeare was never a person. That, like, what? That well, someone had to write that. People, like, there's oh, no. Oh, you mean, like, the pseudonym? There's no, no, no like, no, no. Actual... I'm saying that there's, like, no proof that Shakespeare ever existed. Like, people literally claim this. I know multiple people that are, like, there's no oh certification god. for his birth. There's no certification for, like, all any of these things. I do I'm, like... see, I did see that there's, like, his lost years. There's, like, yes. like, so it could just be. Yeah. I mean, there could have been a William Shakespeare. Yeah. That, I don't know, was just, like, some, like, farmer dude. Yeah. And then he like no one cared and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they just happened to maybe come up with this name yeah because also his um his signature is different oh yeah right oh my god i think that there's only like oh my god what's the fact about this it's so interesting there's like 18 different signatures no i think that I there's like that number i don't know That's where 18 so came from <laughs> it's like seven though and five of them are spelt differently yes yeah yeah like that don't quote me on that that's probably wrong <laughs> like we just keep making i said thousands of years no yeah no i think we're okay we're out of the woods oh. <laughs> so basically we loosely know what we're talking about i yeah. promise Alyssa really likes shakespeare i love shakespeare i like analyzing shakespeare but like maybe when it not comes his, to like, history personal life maybe not yeah so I think we can just maybe leave it at a good spot. <laughs> that 
it's just an interesting debate yeah, is all we would no, like to truly. draw attention to. And also just what France, Francis was talking about at the beginning. Um, Amelia Bassano. Uh, that, yes, that is the was. name. So That's if you want to look up or do your own research. There is a lot of interesting research yeah. on it. And there's some good evidence. Yeah. Um, doubters of this theory will say that none of the evidence is compelling. Mm-hmm. Doubters of that theory are also men. Ooh, T. So <laughs> I go. think that they they have some interesting relatable content for women. Yeah. That would definitely feel like another woman wrote that. Of course. So if you feel inclined, <gasps> I think you should really Do look into research. it. So that concludes our episode today. That was we had a lot to talk about. So <laughs> just to kind of go over a quick summarize. Oh, recap. Yeah, yeah. a recap. Uh, today we talked about, I had my guest Alyssa Marchant on t- hey. today talking about theater and relation to feminism. We opened it up with how she has transitioned from her super unique progressive setting in her theater classes to now the real world once she graduated. Um, she explained her um, ambitions to mm-hmm. work as an intimacy coordinator on in screens or or on screens or live theater and what that means and how that's going to help people um and then finally we had that fun debate about if shakespeare was a woman or who shakespeare what really was so i think that was a great episode yeah. i had a lot of fun I did too. thank you for having <laughs> of me of course thanks for being here i had a great time um you're staying so we're both currently in oregon right now yeah and then we're in a few weeks. We'll both be back in Arizona. Correct. And it's gonna be really hot. It's gonna be so hot. Yeah, but Alyssa does not have a pool in Arizona. Nope. Which is rare. Yep. I. So I'm gonna be over. I do. I do have a pool. So maybe we should do another episode. Yeah. At the soon. pool. At the pool? Maybe the not. Pool. That's a very public area. And Ooh. this was a very loud and long <laughs> adventure for the yeah. two of us. It <laughs> might be fun. Yeah. But I'm going to Europe. Yeah. I'll be in, um, I'll be gone for two weeks. I'm going to Amsterdam. Yeah. And uh, two places in Belgium. I'm so jealous. And then we're going to finish in Munich before mm-hmm. we come home. Germany. Germany. Yep. And then after that, maybe we should make another yeah. episode. I think this was really fun. Because I would love to hear about all of your travels. Yeah. And what you noticed. When okay. You yeah. That'll be great. I look forward to it. Well, thank you for being here today. Um, thank you to all of our listeners of Kinda Radical. I appreciate you all very much. And I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Bye-bye.